I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello. Welcome back to the Des Bishop Podcast. We're on the road again, guys. You know, I, I don't like to be recording so many episodes on the road, but you know, I'm doing so much gigging these days, and it just it just becomes a um, a practical use of time. So I'm on my way to Limerick. To be honest, I tried to record on Thursday on my way to Roscommon, and I I kind of lost my concentration, and uh, I've decided to start again. Um, I kind of started waffling on about St. Patrick's Day, and I just I wasn't loving it. So I'm on my way to Limerick. Uh, this will be up, uh, you know, probably by five o'clock. Uh, staying in the, the Castle Troy Park Hotel, so I'm going to record this, get to the hotel, get it up. Charity gig in Wexford tomorrow. I'm pretty sure that's sold out. And then next week, we got Tala Thursday. They actually released these, like, side balcony seats uh, yesterday, so there's, like, eight of them left, and then there's some, like, single seats in Tala on Thursday. Plenty of tickets for Friday and Saturday, Mullingar and Athlone. Uh, so if you're around for those... Go check it out. I'm getting a little arthroscopic hip surgery on Tuesday, so I'll probably be on crutches uh, for those shows. But I'm still doing it. But obviously, in Tala, I have the bike on stage, but I, I don't think I'll be able to like really give it loads on the bike. But I'm still doing the bike bit. Uh, Friday and Saturday function rooms in Athlone and Mullingar. I'm not doing the. Uh, I'm not doing the the bike stuff. Um, but I didn't do the bike stuff in Clonmel, and it was an absolute ripper. So nobody should feel like uh, they're not getting the, the full whack there. And then uh, the following weekend, what? I'm in Ballymaloo, Belfast. Ballymaloo, Cork, Belfast. But I have a day off in between. And then Wexford again. But that's my actual show. And I'm not sure if there's tickets left for Ballymaloo. There's like a very few tickets left for Wexford, and then Belfast. There's actually quite a few. There's, yeah, I mean not quite a few, but you know, there's like at least a hundred tickets left in Belfast. So if you're up in Belfast, go check that out. Um, please. Thanks. Last week's episode went down very well. I think you like the madness. Thanks for all that. I think we got a lot of new listeners in from uh, Talking Bollocks and the Good Glow Podcast. I didn't know much about the Good Glow Podcast. Georgie Crawford reached out to me, but I was quite surprised at the response. Large response uh, to that pod. So um, a good listen, both of them actually, Talking Bollocks and the Good Glow. Talking Bollocks is like a little more lighthearted, and the Good Glow is pretty pretty heavy. Get right into it about my uh, my demons with uh, Georgie Crawford on the Good Glow podcast, so not that I want you to go and listen to other pods uh, rather than mine, but uh, they were uh, there was good reaction to them. So anyway, if you're uh, listening to us now after hearing me on those, welcome. Uh, we're trying to we're trying to build back up the audience after a a one month break that turned into about seven months. 
So uh, spread the word. Leave uh, leave some comments on Apple Pods if you listen to it there. Screenshots on Spotify if you listen to it there. Uh, remind people that we're around. Uh, great show last night in Vicker Street. Standing ovation. Standing ovation. Uh, which was nice because I was like in two minds about how the show was going to work in Vicker Street. But yeah, it was great. Which is why my voice is a little, little tight. I had uh, Ross Common and then Vicker Street and I'm fucking exhausted. There, there's a bit of truth. On my way to Limerick, I'm going to give it loads here in Limerick. 820 people. I'm going to give it loads. But I'm tired, tired. March 19th, by the way. Just actually the three-year anniversary of my mom's death. We're not big, uh, we're not big anniversary people in our house. But it's hard not to think about my mother's date. I say it every fucking night on stage. So three years ago, this day. Doesn't feel like three years ago because the pandemic feels like a week. Two years feels like a month at most. So... This, uh, this show began <laughs> three years ago today. The journey began. The, the, the crying and the joking around began. Uh, and here we are. Uh, we're on the uh, N7 today. This is an N7 pod. This is really more my road. You know, we had the N4 last week. It's a fine road. I got nothing against the N4, but... I'm an N7 guy. I'm really N7 onto the M7 onto the M8 guy. That's my that's my most exciting trip, Dublin to Cork, Cork to Dublin. That's my road right there. But uh, so I'm on that right now on my way to Limerick. And um, a few things I want to talk about. Uh, you know, the Zelensky, like, uh, you know, f- listen, we're all following Ukraine. It's a fucking horror show. Um... But it is kind of weird watching modern internet culture clash with, like, horrific war. Like, in that, obviously, media, you know, television has been covering war. Like, they always say that's, like, that's why Vietnam is such a, a, you know, such a cultural moment. Because it was really the first war that was, like, on TV. Right? So, we, you know, we, we're used to watching war. But I feel like, for some reason, the war in Ukraine is, is playing out. It's kind of like almost like the first memeified war, if that makes sense. It's like meme culture meets uh, carnage. Uh, and, you know, aggression, uh, you know, mass murder, um, which is weird because... Zelensky, who has has been amazing, this is not like a, this is an absolute praise of Vladimir Zelensky. Zelensky, excuse me. Uh, but it's kind of weird the way on the internet, it's a little like reality TV, and he's getting like the hero edit, and Putin is getting the villain edit. Now, of course, it's not an edit. Zelensky <clears throat> is a hero. And Putin is a villain, uh, an absolute, you know, he's, he's the devil, the Antichrist, uh, Satan spawn, uh, malignant narcissist, uh, just just a, an awful human. 
and Zelensky has been incredible. But there's something weird about, like, I, I don't know if you guys noticed, like, in the first week, it was very much like the internet was like, yeah, yeah, Ukraine doing great. You know, and it, like, I don't know. I, like, I, I obviously, you, you're rooting for Ukraine. Like, you, you, you want uh, justice to prevail, but you also know that, like, there's going to be no winners or losers in this. Everybody's a loser. No matter who wins and who loses, everyone loses. So it's kind of weird to be, like, in there, like, you know, you're getting these reports that, like, they're pushing back the Russians. And I don't know. I just see people, that are, like, just frivolously commenting on Instagram, like, about shit that in real terms, if you're fucking standing there, is, like, guts and blood and death and crying families. And it's just a lot to exist in this internet space of fucking emojis and, you know, meme headlines and, uh, like, viral videos. I, I, I hope I'm... Artic- I, I'm not sure I'm articulating it. I hope, I hope that you are, are experiencing something similar where it's just sometimes it feels like not the right form, even though it's, it's the only form and it's very effective and Ukraine are killing it in the, in the meme war, you know? Um, uh, you know, and uh, hence all of the Russian media has been shut down except for state-run media. So, you know, you know, Ukraine are killing it. Zelensky is, is fucking killing it. Uh, you know, I've seen plenty of people talk about the fact that he's an actor and that, 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 that might be his asset. And, you know, in a way I agree, you know, uh, he is absolutely rising to the occasion. A lot of politics is playing a role. That used to be the old cliche. Politics is just show business for ugly people. But, of course, Zelensky is, is a, a successful man of show business who has, uh, he has been playing the role very well, you know. And in times of crises, it is a real opportunity to stand out. Uh, again, not diminishing Zelensky doing literally a perfect job, but... You know, Giuliani was a hero after 9-11. He's a fucking asshole. But it's easy to just step up and be strong. But that was the job he needed to do at the time, and he did it well. I hate Giuliani. But there was a period of time where that kind of standing up and talking strong was necessary, and he did it, and he did it well. Zelensky is incomparable. He's doing... It's, it's actually hard to believe that this guy is living like a celebrity life until very recently decides to get into politics... And let's face it, he hasn't had a fucking, an easy road in politics. You know, he had fucking Trump fucking with him. Like, he's really been thrown into quite a number of uh, complicated international situations. There's been a war on, on, on his, on the eastern side of his country the entire time he's been in charge. So it's not been like an easy ride up to now and then suddenly he rises up. I mean, it's been complicated. But, you know, this guy was a fucking, an actor doing sketches, dance with the stars, you know? So... To step up so well, it's 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 really it's it's hard to believe how how well he's doing, how brave these guys are, and the Klitschko's, and all these these people. But it, it's also weird that there's like a a celebration of his performance in a way that's I don't know, like you know, like 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 a. Like he's iconic, you know. Like, like I can only think of it in terms of like reality TV way of just everyone being like, "Oh my God, Zelensky!" He's like, hey, "Can we all be Zelensky?" Yeah, I, I don't know. Again, I don't know how to articulate myself properly. Um, 
you know, there's a guy in the fucking right lane here that's going quite slow on the M7, and they won't pull over. And this is a bugbear of mine because, you know, you're supposed to drive in the left, pass in the right. Uh, but some people just think it's their God-given right to be in the right lane, um, which is not safe driving. I know that they're probably thinking, oh, I'm doing, you know, they're not, by the way, they're not doing the speed limit. They're, they're, they're going, they're well under the speed limit, just for the record. I'm looking at right now, uh, it's 102, uh, 102 kilometers per hour. This motherfucker in the right lane won't get out of it. Uh, obviously, I'm allowed to pass on the left on a motorway. A lot of Irish people think that you can't pass on the inside, but on a motorway, you can pass on the inside. Uh, but I don't want to do that right now. But, I, you know, more because I just, I want this fucking, I am actually, I've moved into the left lane now because I, I've had enough. But I, I've just never understood these people who just, like, stay in the right lane. Now, I'm not somebody that'll get, like, right up your hole. But, you know, if you're in France or in Germany, they'll be, like, right up your hole, flash, 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 get the fuck out of the way. Uh, you know, and in a way, they're right. Because you're not supposed to be in that lane. You know, there's just no reason to be over there hanging out. At 102 kilometers per hour. Um, and if, if people think I'm being an aggressive driver, I'm not. I'm just telling you that that is actually how motorways are supposed to work. This is not controversial. It's in the Constitution. Okay? So, uh, back to Zelensky. Um, so, here's my evidence. Just in case I'm, I'm, I'm harboring on about this point. Netflix has re-released Zelensky's political comedy drama that, you know made him a star, which was, I think, his last project before he became president of Ukraine, which was obviously art imitating life. He ended up becoming, or life imitating art, he ended up becoming the leader of the country after playing the leader of the country in a comedy drama. So, now, Netflix have re-released that, which I think is fucking very cynical. Commercialism. Like, Zelensky is so hot right now. He is so hot right now. Like, his stock has gone up. You know, you see these, like, Instagram accounts that are like, who's hot and who's not? Whose stock is rising this week and whose stock is going down? Well, Zelensky couldn't be hotter. I mean, honestly, uh, we would need Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Snapchat. We'd need every social media to combine to have the space to put how high Zelensky's stock is going up right now. I just can't with him. He is so iconic. He's so fucking hot right now that Netflix releases his fucking series, which is like, I get it. You know, everyone's fucking eyes are focused on Ukraine. So people want to see that series. So on one level, I think, give the people what they want. But on another level, I'm like, he's so hot right now because thousands of people are dying, including Russian soldiers who don't want to fucking be there. And Russians can't fucking walk out on the street and protest. They're getting thrown into fucking jail. You know, and people in Ukraine are losing their homes. And millions of people are fucking refugees. It's fucking tragic on so many levels. And you're releasing this, and, you know, I don't know if they've put some charity spin on it. I don't know what they've said is behind releasing it, but come on, man. You know, I, 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 I just, I feel like you hold your fire on that. You know, that's my personal opinion. Now, of course, everybody could completely disagree, and you could be like, well, I wanted to see it, so I'm glad it's on. But, I don't know, it just, it just, it seems uh, thirsty to me. To use the the terms of uh, the internet these days, you know, everything everybody's fucking thirsty. You know, you can't fucking do anything on the internet. They call you thirsty. You know, but that seemed a little thirsty from Netflix. 
uh, and I'm 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 open to disagreement. But when I heard it, I had a bit of a I had a I I felt a bit of a pinch in me that it wasn't right. Uh, profit, but everybody profits, I guess. Um, and it's the bravery that is commendable outside of this sort of slightly sort of silly take that I have right now about just the way that I'm ingesting this information there is insane bravery happening uh, right before our eyes which as I always contradict myself is fascinating to watch in this memeified way just learning about Zelensky and the Klitschko's and the ordinary citizens of Ukraine taking up arms and you see like old women arguing with Russian soldiers and it's 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 pretty fascinating to see and obviously I think uh, the the bravest well not the bravest but a very selfless act came from that editor in Russia who jumped out onto state propaganda and got a few seconds of a sign about the war before they shut her down. And that was iconic. I mean, that was like, I saw that and I was like, man, this woman probably, her fucking life, I mean, I don't know if, it, it, it's definitely going to change her life forever. What happens to her long term, I don't know, but it can't be good right now. Incredible sacrifice. That's like, you know, obviously in Ireland we learned about 1916 and there's a certain amount of insanity to the, the blood sacrifice of 1916 and this sense of, you know, uh, essentially martyring yourself to try to change the narrative. Um, but in a way, it's, I would, I don't know if I, I don't know if people are going to get upset that I, I'm not comparing what this woman has done to Podrick Pierce, but I am comparing the 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 things that she must have had to weigh up about doing this. Because listen, she didn't do this on day one of the war. She did this when she knew that people were being rounded up and imprisoned for literally standing on the street and holding up a sign. So to do this on state media, I mean, this is like right to the top. You know, Putin isn't aware of you know, every Gen Z that's been on the streets of fucking Moscow holding up signs or walking around quietly and still getting arrested, you know, but doing these quiet protests. He's not aware of every face, but he's aware of her fucking face. So, you know, she 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 stuck a, a, a media dagger right to the fucking heart of Putin's propaganda. So, you know, she's... She's sacrificing a lot so I, I put that up in a pretty fucking high bravery category I, I don't know how you I don't know how you um, classify levels of bravery but scale of 1 to 10 fucking 11 12 13 off the charts life changed forever one woman for uh, destroys her life for the many fascinating but scary to think about you know what goes through your mind, you know, leading up to that? Because, like, obviously, um, when you grab a gun, I, you know, 
when I don't know, they, 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 there's something very serious about grabbing a gun and getting out onto the street and thinking about killing somebody. But there's something so innocent about taking a marker, like you're in fucking arts and crafts class, taking a marker on a bit of whiteboard and writing down something that the war in Ukraine is not the way it's being portrayed and Russian soldiers are dying or whatever it is that she wrote. It's so innocent. All you're doing is fucking writing words on a piece of paper and then you're going to flash it in front of a camera. And as far as the Russian state goes, it's as much of an act of aggression as these poor Ukrainian kids who were fucking working in an office a few weeks ago and now they're freedom fighters. It's the same level of aggression against Russia, quote-unquote, the way it's perceived by the Putin state. So there's something... I don't know. It's like... It's scary to think that something so innocent can be so big. And I, I try to put myself in her mindset, sitting there with the squeak of the marker on the, on the board, you know, writing this, thinking this is going to change my life forever. You know, and then the bravery to, I guess, like just keep that bit of board on the down low as you walk through the office and then boom, pop on and that's it. That little innocent act, a fucking photobomb, a photobomb, as effective in a way as a fucking real bomb, you know, as a, as a, as a weapon against Putin. It's crazy, you know. But that went right into the meme culture, man. And that spread, obviously, all over the world. And in a way, I, 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 I commend her bravery. But sometimes I just... I wish she didn't have to do that. And I I, 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 I just... I, I wish that there wasn't so many different things that led her to think that that was a good idea. Because life sucks, you know. Like, her life is fucking ruined. And it's so selfless and she'll be remembered forever. And I hope that she doesn't regret it. But it is still in, in, the, in the, the fervor of the moment, the insanity of what's going on. She did that. And, you know, I, I, I'm just grateful that up until this time in my life, I, I've never been involved in something so emotionally insane that I would end up doing an act like that. That's just like grateful for the the calmness and the peace that I've grown up in. It's fucking crazy. And you know, of course she's going to fade from our consciousness. Her thing will be shared less and less. And you know, if Putin ends up like not able to take the heat for more and more Russian losses or somehow he feels like it makes more sense to come up with some compromise he could sell to the Russian people as a victory she'll just be lost in the you know she'll fade away like pussy riot you know and uh, it's fucking sad man it's just sad how many lives get destroyed but I I commend her and uh, I think that's actually one thing we could all do over the next number of years really Dependent. We don't know what's going to happen with this horrible war, but we can try to remember her and others. You know, that's what's so sad. You know, somebody. There's life. Nobody gives a fuck. Food for powder. Food for powder. Always remember that from 
was it uh, which of the 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 Shakespeare plays I had to study for my intercert Falstaff says to Prince Hal food for powder food for powder you know that dismissal of the the sacrifice of all these young soldiers fighting in the name of the king for what the fucking nonsense but just think of all that food for powder that goes nameless forgotten about it's just a tragedy of war it was always my dad's thing you know just like all these people die for these fucking leaders that take no risks and that's the one thing you have to say about Zelensky man he's in there he's taking risks you know that's what's impressive and you know even if it's an act it's a pretty fucking effective one I, I don't think it's an act I think it's genuine you know and his family are staying there I mean this guy's sacrificing a lot so cheers to all of them and uh We'll keep. I'm. I mean. I'm so Team Ukraine. I'm a hashtag Team Ukraine. Hashtag Zelensky is iconic. I'm right in there with it. You know, just having a bit of fun with uh, how we're viewing all this. Um, what else is going on in the world? Poor Miho Martin got fucking COVID. Finally, gonna meet Joe Biden. Have like a big. That's like a real Irish teacher. I gotta think this guy's been in power for years. Thinking one day, one day I'm gonna meet the. One day I'm gonna be Taoiseach. I'm gonna meet the president on St. Patrick's Day, and uh, didn't happen, man. Miho Martin will just have to be content with the fact that one day he met me, and he awarded me with the, uh, the fucking Gwailgor of the Year. I got a fucking Gwailgor of the Year award, man. Uh. Miho Martin presented it to me 2008 in the Rochestown Park Hotel at Cork so I know it's tough not meeting Joe Biden but you know you've, you've met me and uh, it's not the end of the world but I felt for him COVID's a bitch a lot of people still getting COVID you know my friends tell me like oh I got COVID I was like what the fuck were you doing testing <laughs> which I'm joking but I, I've, I've known a lot of people that have COVID lately none of them have really been sick minimal minimal sickness I know some other people that are getting this other thing that's going around that don't have COVID and they're sicker. I will say that. These are just these are anecdotal observations that I have made. I am not stating any facts. I'm not diminishing the seriousness of COVID. But I haven't met anybody lately that's had any serious repercussions from their COVID positive test. For the record. Um, uh, but I have met a few people that have gotten quite sick with something else. And it wasn't COVID. But they were quite sick. And I don't know what that is. But obviously we're all getting shit that we weren't getting when we were hiding from COVID. But obviously the world opened up. Ireland opened up. The masks dropped. And a lot of people are getting COVID. And I don't know if we should be worried about that or not. Um, I'm sure you guys will have your opinions. But I did notice more masks at my show in Common last night. Or on Thursday. Uh, nobody seemed to care in uh, Vicar Street. Um, and if the the hospital numbers, I mean, I, the COVID numbers are going up. The hospital numbers maybe going up a bit, but I don't see the ICU numbers going up. So we'll see. But I noticed RTE got the fucking counter up again. Oh, RTE are happy. They got the COVID counter up again. Um, and I noticed that some of the, the COVID TikTokers are back on their game 
and listen, I, I love all the info. I'm just not as sold on what level of precaution we need to take yet. You know, that's my... You know, I know that in New York, uh, during the, the height of Omicron, uh, there was a kind of a just a natural pulling back due to people's fears, uh, lack of people able to turn up for work and stuff. So uh, things shut down for a couple of weeks, but there was no like official like major action taken, and it, it came it came and went, and you know, I, I don't know how much mitigation should have happened, but uh, right now I'm uh, right now I'm content with uh, no mitigation, and we'll we'll see if this uh, this BA two or whatever they're saying this this new sort of Omicron subvariant uh, if it if it if it's really worth worrying about. Right now, I'm not worried. That's my that's my personal thing, and I'm just basing it anecdotally. Um, and and uh, I, 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 as I always say, I will uh, change my uh, my attitude uh, based on more information being revealed. But right now, I'm pretty content. I don't feel bad for putting people into venues, and uh, I've known numerous people that have had COVID, and they've all been fine. Uh, my cousin Sinead got married yesterday in the in the the late morning, early afternoon. Beautiful, small, uh, early wedding. So I was at a wedding all day, then Vicar Street. But you know, sadly, her sister couldn't be at the wedding because she had COVID, and that's very sad. And people are still testing, and you know, so I I, I think that's all good. And I think this is the right level of you know people. I was joking about the testing, by the way. That that's a joke. I'm getting tested myself on Monday uh, before my procedure. You know, I, I'm still. Uh, you know, being cautious and not being silly. The testing thing is a joke, but uh, but you know, I think we're. we're I, I personally think we're at the right level of of precaution. Life goes on, but we're we still aware that it exists, and uh, we're not um, we're not going out of our way to try to infect people. But you know, society is open, and infections have risen, and we'll keep an eye on it. That's my opinion. Um. So. So sorry for Mihal Martin, tough cookies on him. And then the other thing that's in the news, which I don't know if if people really care about as much as I do, but I'm a big Naomi Osaka fan, and I know that tennis. I don't I don't think this is a big tennis listenership on the pod, but I've never been much of a tennis player, but I'm an avid tennis watcher. I have been for many years. I even talk about watching Roger, Roger Federer with my dad in the Mia Mama show. And I was a big Fed guy, uh, always kind of against Nadal because he was like Federer's nemesis and, uh, you know, loved the Williams sisters. My mother loved the Williams sisters. Um, but uh, I also was big Naomi Osaka fan, am a big Naomi Osaka fan. I felt like right at a time where women's tennis was about to really miss Serena, you know, about to, you know, because let's face it, men's tennis had the, the big four, big three, you could argue, you know, poor Murray and his hips, but uh, men's tennis has had this continuity of, of you know, high-profile champions for quite a while. It's been a real golden age of men's tennis. Women's tennis, other than Serena for quite a long time hasn't had a consistency of people to really like 
get behind unless you're like a very regular watcher, which I have become, particularly during the pandemic since I met Hannah. I watch a lot of like uh, just the tournaments that are on every week. So I have, from watching way more tennis than I ever watched in my life, I have found myself uh, much more up on women's tennis. But there has been a much larger turnover of champions and much less of a chance to really get behind a regular champion in women's tennis. And Osaka was bringing what I thought was the next generation of superstars to women's tennis. You know, and she had it all. Uh, you know, she's multi, you know, like uh, multi-race, multi-ethnicities, international. You know, just, just I, I, I think in a way, just a, a, a perfect woman to rise up, you know, in, a, in an age where we're, we're, we're trying to, you know, ha- have people have people's identity as clear you know that in a, in, a, in a grayer in a grayer generation a generation where nothing is is black and white uh comes naomi osaka you know who everyone could see themselves in you know beautiful um great tennis player humble timid dealt with the serena incident with with great grace even though i was rooting for serena that day i did feel very bad for naomi osaka it wasn't serena's greatest moment but you know it didn't i i, I was a serena defender a- after that moment because however much fault there was for you know the way serena was reacting when she got the the penalty for coaching the, the point penalty or the game penalty the game penalty i think uh i think that uh the, the backlash was greater than her crime, which I feel uh, Serena has been victim of before. I, you know, and I, you know, and so I, you know, I, I, I fought against the intense backlash uh, to what she did, but I also had a, a real deep sympathies with Naomi Osaka, who's essentially her moment, finally winning a major, a little bit overshadowed by the loser's antics, right? So I felt for her. I felt for Serena. And, you know, honestly, I was mostly mad at the referee because I hate when a referee's decision becomes the focus point of a major event. And sometimes it's warranted, sometimes it isn't. I felt a little more discretion could have been used in that situation. But let's not, let's not go over old topics. Very controversial. Some of you will disagree with me, and, and I'm fine with that. Because it is, uh, it's not a consensus out there. And I would say my opinion is more the minority opinion. Perhaps I'm, uh, I'm clouded by my extreme fandom for the Williams sisters. And I will hold my hands up and admit that uh, essentially the, the decades, the decades of enjoyment that the Williams sisters gave me probably has me being a little bit soft on their mistakes. Uh, and uh, so I, I, I admit that. Anyway, rise up, Naomi Osaka. Great fucking player, man. You know, just very strong and uh, sort of surprising considering that, that sort of soft-spoken personality. Cute, you know, cute little Naomi. A fucking power game, you know? Taking it to all these players. Taking it to the greatest of all time, Serena Williams. Amazing, you know? Um, and I, 
I was even more impressed with her desire to use her increasing profile to highlight uh, injustice, BLM, uh, and you know, and she was very much the voice of her generation, right? The social justice generation. Um, it was impressive, but I had a concern that it was quite distracting. And I also had a concern that the internet giveth and it taketh away. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's... it's it's literally a running theme on this podcast. In general, it's definitely a running theme on this episode. But the internet, the adulation, it's a fucking double-edged sword. Because fandom turns toxic on the internet. My fandom, to be honest with you, all it ever does is perhaps get diluted over time. It never turns toxic. I never feel like the people that brought me joy owe me anything you know it's just when they stop bringing me joy uh, our, our contract is over but there is an internet adulation uh, uh, a sense of putting people on an extreme pedestal for their behavior that can then turn toxic when their icons their heroes don't live up to the insane expectations, the, the, the standards that they've put upon them, these in- incredible things that they have to live up to to maintain the way that they're being perceived. And Naomi Osaka, at a time when she was winning regularly, was also being hailed as a social justice hero. And tennis is a very mental game. And it's, it's very hard to keep your head right all the time. And I have to feel that when you are spreading yourself, spreading your focus further than just winning, and I guess your few sponsorships, it requires a lot of mental strength and a lot of focus, discipline, uh, people reminding you of what matters. Uh, it's hard to keep all that together. Now, listen, I, I'm not speaking with somebody with, with pure experience, but I am speaking as somebody who knows that when you get too stretched at a time where you're hot, you're hot, 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 everybody wants a piece of you. And I'm not comparing any success that I've had to the success of Naomi Osaka, but 
in my little microcosm of extreme fame, or sorry, sorry, extreme fame is a strong word. In Ireland, I experienced a very high level of fame, and there were times where I spread myself too thin, and it affected my performance, and I regretted it, and I regretted not having people around me telling me that I needed to keep my eye on the prize, that I was a stand-up comedian first and foremost, and I needed to focus on the work. Yeah, I needed to focus on writing, coming up with ideas. You know, I didn't need to get involved in so much of these other things unless I could handle it. And there were times when I could not. So again, let me not get too lost in that because I'm already embarrassed that I'm trying to compare what I've experienced to Naomi Osaka. All I'm saying is that I had a concern at that time before... uh, things started to sour for Naomi Osaka that there might be a backlash and I hoped that she would stay out of the comments because the comments are literally the destroyer of creativity and talent if they get in your head in fact I personally believe that Rory McIlroy's inability to achieve the heights of the earlier part of his career is because he was in the comments. I think people underestimate the power of reading about yourself online. I really do. I I think it's been the downfall of so many recent heroes is because they get in the fucking comments. And I definitely think Naomi got in the comments because it's hard not to be in the comments when you're doing all this, you know, the stuff she was doing, the U.S. Open after BLM, and everybody is talking about how amazing you are, it's hard not to want to read that about yourself. I get it. I don't think she's an egomaniac. And by the way, I don't know how much she read, but I got to think that she was being told that what she was doing was quite special. And so I will admit that I'm not surprised that she was in there. But obviously, as you start to be held to such a high standard, anytime you don't reach that standard, there's going to be some shit thrown your way, some vitriol. You're going to have some trolls. You're going to have some right-wing people that think you're just a fucking SJW to shut your hole and just fucking serve some aces. And I think she read a lot of that shit. And... When she started to have a couple of bad performances, she started to focus on the negative criticism rather than just clear her fucking mind and play the game. And I think this is coupled with what is clearly some mental health fragility that she has. I say fragility. I hope that's not considered a negative word. I'm just saying that I think she struggles with her mental health, which is even more of a reason why I think her team should have shielded her more from the intense energy of the world that she was getting into. You know, because that it's just... Huh, I mean, maybe if she never achieves the heights again, maybe she'll feel it was worth it, you know? And I hope she does. I hope she feels that even though she... The, the, the intensity of what was going on ended up affecting her to the point where she never achieved the same level of performance. She thinks it was worth it to, to be an activist 
and, and I'll be more than happy. If she thinks it was worth it to be an activist, good for her. You do you. And, I, you know, I have no doubt that this was her authentic self. But I also think when you've dedicated your entire life to a sport, and I, I have to think that success uh, in tennis probably still brings her the most joy, that it would be a pity that it wasn't controlled enough uh, for somebody who perhaps was going to struggle with that level of, of fame and intense scrutiny, that she didn't have more protection. Anyway, needless to say, it's really gone tits up lately. And I, 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 I'm so upset because, like, what happened recently, if anybody was watching, where somebody heckled her, you suck, is awful heckling is awful but she let it go she let it affect her too much and i understand i've seen the comments i've seen people complaining that you know this is a trigger for her and you need to respect that and yeah it's a fucking trigger i i I respect all that i the guy the fucking heckler is an asshole hecklers are asshole trolls are assholes they are my number one fucking enemy in the world i have no respect for them no respect but I love Naomi Osaka. I'm a fan. I want her to succeed. And I need her to get the help that she needs for her mental health. And I hope that she will find a way to block out the negativity and get back to where she was at. Because I get it the way people want to say, this is the reality of struggles of mental health. And I'm down with all of that. But I still think it's okay to think it would be sad. It would be sad. If she didn't find a way to get through it and get back to those heights. I think it's okay to be sad and disappointed. You know? And I I think this is going to be more and more of a problem because that whole fucking generation came up on the internet. And I think they've all, they're all struggling with their mental health because of the internet. I actually literally think it's like a global health crisis like obesity. I think they're all going to struggle with their mental health. You know? And again anecdotal assumption but just from paying attention to the world and listening to parents there seems to be a lot more struggling Um, and obviously the joke is on us we held it all in or whatever but I don't think we had to deal with as much of the shit that they had to deal with I think it's harder for them you know I joke in my show about that we don't you know we didn't talk about anxiety we didn't talk about our feelings and we kept it down but to be honest with you I don't think we were dealing with as much shit as they were dealing with. Unmasked, obviously, everybody's different. Everyone has their fucking demons. But I really think that for Naomi Osaka's generation, there's going to be more of them with mental health issues. Because this shit is so powerful. The texting, the WhatsApp groups, the cyberbullying. So by the time she's in her fucking early, mid-20s, and she's a global superstar... She's fucking shot mentally because she's probably been dealing with this fucking stress for so long. And it's sad. And let me admit, I was angry with her because I've been rooting for her to come back since this debacle at the French Open, which I really think she dealt with badly. I kept my mouth shut at the time because there was all this like she's so brave shit. And I get it. She was brave, but I think it was a bad fucking time for bravery. I don't think it was the fucking time. 
You know, that's my personal opinion. You know, I, I, I really think she was, she was guided badly in that situation. I think she should have just fucking gone up and yes and no those fucking press conferences and just got on with it. That's my personal opinion. You know, and it, it's caused a, a, a bit of a spiral. And I get it. All these people that believe that she was so brave for doing that, I don't think you're wrong. I, I, you know, I don't think you're wrong, but my opinion at that time was, is this the time for that battle? What are we really fucking gaining here? What are we gaining? Because the truth is that the world fucking sucks, you know, and generation after generation, we think we're getting better, but go on the internet. It's fucking worse than ever. People suck. So as much as it's brave to battle and talk about your mental health struggles, these things are real. But you also have to be tough sometimes to deal with the fact that people are going to suck forever. That's the thing that, that's the, maybe that's the, some Gen X shit for me. But sometimes you got to be tough. And who the fuck am I to say? Naomi Osaka knows about toughness. She's won numerous fucking majors at the top level of sport. Naomi Osaka knows about fucking toughness, right? And Naomi Osaka now knows about the mental health struggles mixed with the incredible mental strength that is required to fucking win at a top level of tennis. So who the fuck am I? She fucking knows. She knows. But I don't think moments like taking the mic and complaining about a fucking heckler are where it's at. I don't think that's where it's at. And I think our people need to tell her, you are 100% right. These people suck. But are we winning or are we losing by taking this on as an issue. You know, is this the issue that we need to fucking be front and center on? Because I don't think it is. I think the issue is, let's get back to fucking winning. And then, when you're fucking up there, holding that fucking trophy, then you tell everybody, it's been difficult, because people suck. And their suckiness got into my fucking head, and I struggle anyway, and I get depressed. And your fucking suckiness got at me at a time where I was most vulnerable, and shame on you. But here's the reality. I'm a fucking hero because I got over it. I fucking rose above it, and now I'm back at the top. And the fact that being at the top matters in our society is another thing we need to discuss in the future. But right now, suck my dick, because I'm the fucking best. And fuck you. That's, that's the way I would deal with it if I had the ability to be the best at a sport. That's how I would want to fuck the haters. Fuck them right in the ass. Because I say this out of pure love for Naomi Osaka, man. You know, like, I want her to come back so fucking bad. Every tournament she's been playing lately, I'm like, please, Naomi, just get to the fucking quarters. I want her back. I want her to prove the doubters wrong. I want her to, you know, I want her to, to be honest with you, I want her to fucking park this fucking shit. I want her to battle on the court only for a while. Get her fucking head right. And, but I also worry that her mental health struggles are too much and she might not be able for it anymore. And I will, I will praise the successes that she had if she decides to retire early because it's not good for her, I will say, Naomi, you are still going to go down as one of the best women of all time. You beat the GOAT. You won numerous majors. You're up there. Top 20. I don't even know. I bet you the amount of majors she has already 
is up there in the top 20 women's tennis. I could be wrong, though. But it's pretty fucking impressive. So she need not be ashamed for what she's achieved if it turns out that her mental health struggles have clashed too much with the intensity of what she was dealing with. You know, I, I can't even say if she was wrong or right to take on the activism. If the activism, you know, was too much of a distraction and caused her decline, I, I'm not going to say she was wrong. You know, I'm just going to say that her career was her career and it's worth celebrating. But I do have my opinions on how nice it would fucking be to, to make these arguments at the press conference where she's just fucking won the U.S. Open. Or Wimbledon. Or the Australian Open. Or somehow the fucking French Open. You know, that's me. Uh, and I, I really have a lot of uh, empathy with the, with the Gen Zs, even though they drive me fucking crazy. I feel like they're dealing with a lot. and I, 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 But I do, I feel that it's up to their generation to figure it out. I, I don't think they have yet. You know, uh, but it would be fun to see how they navigate it, and I look forward to learning from them because I find it tough myself. Despite my advanced age, I still find all the hate and the negativity of the internet to be quite a mental drain. So that's that. That's today. Uh, I know it wasn't as funny as last week. I, I apologize. Last week was very funny. Uh, but the funniness didn't fly out of me today. I mean, I'm pretty exhausted, to be honest. I say to be honest a lot. I shouldn't have even pointed that out because now you're going to hear me say to be honest on every episode. I should just call the fucking podcast to be honest. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the funny... I'm tired, man. You know, Thursday, Roscommon. Uh, Vicar Street last night. Sinead's wedding all day yesterday. I was emceeing the wedding, by the way, too, so I was like... I was kind of working at the wedding. Uh, and now the show, and now I'm driving past the uh, the windmills that Trump says are the reason for the war in Ukraine. It was another fucking wacky Trump clip. But I'm driving past these windmills on the M7, which I feel have been built since uh, the pandemic. Because I, I, I don't remember seeing this many windmills. But uh, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, so anyway, if you're going to Limit tonight, you probably bought your tickets in 2019. So let this be a reminder. Um, and uh, it's funny because last week's episode, I was so gung ho. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna be fucking, I'm gonna be that silly every week. But of course, I haven't been that silly this week. But I hope, I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, do send me... I love the feedback, man. When you guys message me about the episode, I love it. I really do. Uh, anything you want me to talk about, let me know. And if you agree with... Uh, or if you disagree with my assessment of the Naomi Osaka situation, I'm very open, you know? But I have to be less cautious. Because, you know, I literally took down... I did a Patreon episode about the Naomi Osaka situation. I took it down. Because I, I felt like my opinion was getting you know, was getting attacked online. And I took it down and I was like, why am I, why am I that afraid of being wrong? You know, it shouldn't be that way. It should be okay to be wrong. You know, 
So fuck it. I have to be just more open to being wrong. Like just like giving that knee-jerk opinion that I can have sometimes that takes a little time to form. And why can't why can't uh, a discussion here be the beginning of helping that convert? You know, helping that opinion to form. You know, being open to people disagreeing and 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 then you know reassessing or not based on your response. Surely that makes for for a better conversation, I think. But I I, I do sometimes literally fucking don't I don't put up bits that I've recorded out of fear of having the wrong opinion at that time. You know? And I have had so many opinions on immediate situations that within two weeks have completely evolved based on more information and understanding other people's points of view. You know? But you gotta be okay to be wrong. You know? I gotta let myself fucking just put it out there. Honestly, the fucking stress and the anxiety of being afraid to say shit on this pod, it's it's too much. It's fucking stupid. I'm talking to myself here. You know? And this isn't even that controversial. You know, there's other shit I want to talk about that's more controversial, but I'm waiting. You know? Uh, but I got a surprise, a podcast surprise coming up soon. Not this podcast, though. I'm gonna, we're going to try a little experiment with somebody else. I'm not ready to say it yet, though. But uh, it'll be an odd pairing. Me and another comedian. Male comic. Another Irish comic. We're going to try a six-episode experiment on a, a new podcast. Uh, that um, I, I think I think will be a good pairing. Because every time I, I talk with this guy, just when we chat, and we're not even... I mean, we're close, but like more like professionally close. But every time we talk on the phone, we end up having the most intense conversations. Uh, and so I, I pitched it to him. I said, listen, man, you know, how would you feel about trying it? And so we're going to give it a shot. So I'll let you know. That'll be coming up soon, though, because he's currently not in Ireland. But when he comes back to Ireland, we're going to do six eps. Uh, so I'll keep you posted on that. But do spread the word, guys. Spread the word, everybody. Uh, guys, it's funny. I, I saw some people trying to suggest that people don't like guys. But then I asked Bella last night, and she said, no, uh, guys is not a problem. So I, I, I don't know where we're at with guys as a, as a, as a group pronoun. Uh, Bella told me that guys is not really a problem. The problem is that when you say to a group of uh when you say a group of, uh, uh, if you say a group of people with vaginas, when you say ladies, apparently that's more problematic, according to my cousin, who is my, she's my Gen Z correspondent. You know, she's my 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 gender non-binary guru. Uh, she's a she. She's a she pronoun, but. Uh, she has a lot of uh, they friends. Um, and uh, so I asked her last night, was guys okay? And she said it was. But I've seen online some people saying guys isn't okay. But she said that when, when you say to a group of people with vaginas, ladies, uh, or you know what, you know what I'm saying. I'm, I'm trying not to get caught up in this. But you know what I'm saying is that the assumption that 
ladies for everybody is okay is, is a problem, according to my Gen Z correspondent. So uh, the jury is out on guys, uh, but we'll see. Um, I've been getting a good laugh on stage because I say that in Ireland, I personally feel that instead of they, the gender non-binary pronoun should be ye, which I think I said on this podcast already, but now I'm doing it on stage and it is working, actually. It's getting a good laugh. And I, 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 I think ye, I don't know, I think ye works better, actually. I, I, I like ye. You know, where are ye going? I don't know, just... It's kind of better for me, especially because like ye is kind of a little bit old now, right? Like not as many people say ye. Like how are ye? Like I feel like maybe that's like not as commonly used in Ireland these days. So to get ye back in the mix for like the the gender non-binary pronoun is I like it, especially because it's like Irish, you know. Ye, where are you going? Hear ye, hear ye. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, uh, that's today's app. I can't beg you enough to spread the word because uh, we got. I like we got a little momentum now. I love that. It gets me excited. So I wanted to keep going. So tell everybody that the pod is fun. Uh, we're having a good time. You know, we're we're whipping down the M7 together. Um. But yeah, I'm going to go Spread the word Go see some shows Especially up in Belfast, man I, I need to do some promo up there I feel like nobody knows about the show up there So if you're up in Belfast, spread the word Because I got a little section that I think the Belfast people are going to really go for And me and Mama, so I can't wait to do it up there um, And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon Thanks, Thanks guys, thank you, bye What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.